I was going from like a Manhattan apartment to like living in the back of a gym in Peru with a bunch of South Americans. I got down to Peru and my coach, he goes, oh, you're gonna fight today. And I was like, what do you mean I just got here? I'm not even in good shape. He goes, no, you're gonna, you're gonna fight today. I was like, I've been down here 21 days, no way. I'm like, I'm kind of hurt, I'm sore, and all this stuff. He was like, you'll be fine. And uh, it was three rounds in a cage. And I went out there, just used my wrestling, just took him down and I got one like uppercut in the mouth and a big fat lip afterwards, but I won the match. It was crazy. It was just like, all right, trial by fire, get in there and, and see how it works. Hey guys, this is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Man, today we have a very interesting guest on the line, Raleigh Peterkin. He picked up roots from a financial life in Manhattan and peaced out, went all the way down to Peru to train with an MMA club for a year. Uh, after that, he wrote a book about his story and even today continues life on the road. He's joining us on a call from Bogota. I'm very happy to have him on the show and I think he can share his story better than I can. So I hope you enjoy. Please give us a like, subscribe, and review. It helps us get the word out about the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into it. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by Detours. Travel your own way. Detours include your sightseeing and accommodation reservations in each city you're going to, so you can show up and connect the dots at your own pace. Have all the fun, but none of the headache. It's like a guidebook that makes reservations for you, or like a tour without sacrificing any of your independence. Pick a city and date at andysteves.com, book your detour, and then spend your time on the fun stuff like finding farmers markets and restaurants, bars that you want to go to, because the detour package takes care of everything else. Two nights accommodation and two key sites included. Learn more and book your adventure today at andysteves.com. That's andysteves.com. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. All right, guys, today we have another fascinating guest. We have Raleigh Peterkin on the line. He quit kind of the Wall Street uh, American slog and took his life on the road. I'm excited to have him on the show. He is an author, an MMA fighter. He's currently backpacking. He has great photos on his Instagram from Europe, and now he's backpacking through South America. He's lived in Peru for a year. Man, you've got all sorts of cool things going on, Raleigh. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, Andy. So you're in Bogota at the moment, but you have quite a story from what led you from, uh, you know, just uh, living in the States, doing the nine to five to where you are today. Can you, for our listeners who don't know who you are, don't know your background, explain a little bit about uh, what kicked off this adventure for you? Yeah. So I was a wrestler my whole life. I wrestled, you know, 17 years. I wrestled in college at the University of Pennsylvania. And then I worked on Wall Street afterwards. And uh, nine to five is a very, very delicate way to put that. I was working a little bit more than that. Um, so I was working for, for two years uh, for Wall Street Bank after graduating. And I kind of missed the wrestling life and everything like that. And I went down to Peru to visit a friend who had been competing in MMA down there. And while I was down there, I trained with his team. And the coach is like, oh, man, you got to come down here. We've got this league down here. We've got good sponsors. Why don't you come down and fight for us? And I was like, no way, I can't. That's, that's insane. I have a good job back in the United States. 
and we went out like drinking on the last night and had a bunch of whiskey and he was like you're gonna come down here you're gonna fight down here i can tell you miss it and I'm like no i can't and by the end of the night i was like i'm coming <laughs> and uh <laughs> i went back and sat at my desk for the next like two months and was like just staring at the screen thinking like you know there's only one time in life where you can do something this stupid and like i didn't have a family to support or anything so uh yeah, a few months later, I quit my job and moved to Peru and became a professional MMA fighter. Now, let's get straight into it because our listeners want to get the specifics. Um, did you have a lot of money saved up? How did you just pick up all roots and move down to South America? I mean, that's quite a big life shift. And um, I'm really eager this season to share as much specifics as we possibly can with our listeners. Well, so I did have a bunch of money saved up, but uh, as it turns out, there was actually like an economic advantage going down there. There was, there was a crazy deal where they had this big guy who's sponsoring this league. And he just kind of like, he owned a bunch of racehorses and he owned Ferraris and everything like that. And he was like, I want to have an MMA team. And so he actually paid us just to train. We had salaries and we had to go in every day, uh, two or three times a day, mandatory practices. And we lived in the gym. They had a chef at the gym who prepared all of our meals. It was like this really crazy setup. So yeah, it was a really lucky kind of thing, but yeah, I mean, I've traveled a lot since then, and that was a lot on my uh, my savings. So savings, and could people do this if they don't have like a banker's or financial industry person's bankroll? Because, um, I, again, I just want to try to be as realistic with people as possible. There's all these Instagram princesses out there and all these, you know, people who are supported somehow by brands. But that's like, you know, landing a job with the NFL. Um, it's It's everybody's dream, but who can really pull it off? Yeah, well, there's so many opportunities to work around the world. I mean, and there's so many ways to do it cheaply. Like I've worked in hostels before. I've done like like through Workaway, World Packers, or HelpX. You can work at hostels. I was doing a pub crawl for a hostel in Croatia and Hawaii for one summer. And, you know, there's plenty of jobs. I was teaching English in Spain for the past two years. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it helps. But I have a lot of friends that go work as bartenders and live with their parents for three or four months save up like 10 or 15 grand and then go travel. So th there's so many different ways to do it, as I'm sure you know. I'm sure you've met tons of people who have done similar things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of if you kind of set your mind to it and, and you know, Priorities. make the certain sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is, man, I'm, I'm back home in Seattle and it is so expensive. You go out to lunch, dinner, it's like 35 bucks to start. Um, and then it just goes up from there. If you go out to a nice place, it's 70 bucks a head. But man, when you're living in Peru or Colombia, uh, it's a different cost of living, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, like in New York City, if you live in Manhattan, you're going to be paying like a minimum of $2,000 a month. I mean, you know, people maybe on the outskirts, you can find some cheaper places. But um, here in Colombia, I'm staying at a really nice hostel. It's like $12 a night. So if you turn that into a monthly thing, you're talking like $400 a month yeah. um, living. And yeah, I mean, there's so many things in the United States, healthcare costs, and then just the culture. I think it's not just the cost of living, but the culture of when you go out in the United States, it's like all about like, let's go spend a lot of money and, you know, picking up the tab and going to do like really fancy things. And I found that in a lot of other countries, uh, if you're one of those guys that goes out and tries to like spend a ton of money and impress everyone, people are not as impressed. Like, I think that they kind of look at you like, why are you wasting your money like that? 
Yeah. And, um, and this is kind of touching on a whole other tangent we could go on, but when you go to, especially to Latin America and South America, you'll find that priorities are different. People put away their phones and connect with their families. One of the things that strikes me the most is when I go out to dinner in Medellin, I'll walk past these family restaurants. You'll see that, uh, none of the kids are just sitting on iPads or playing video games. Everybody's just enjoying company and, and loving each other. Um, I find that so beautiful. And so the, the priorities are less materialistic, less driven by who can go to the fanciest places, much less pretentious and much more just fun and love in life. I, I, I love that about Columbia myself. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a, you know, a big sense of community too and family and spending time together. And like, I know when I was in Peru, like a lot of people, like it's kind of cliche to say, but literally like inviting you into their house and give you dinner and they kind of have like very open door policy about everything. You know, people take care of each other. Like in Peru is a poor country and, you know, a lot of people only have health insurance and everything like that. And when something bad happens to someone, you know, the whole community kind of gets together and, and really helps them. You know, you have grandparents watching the, the kids and, and all this. And I think that um, it's it's something that we're lacking a little bit in our culture, like having that really strong central community. All right. I got Raleigh Peterkin on the line. He's an author. Um, he quit his life in New York to head down and train for a year with uh, MMA club down there. Uh, he's on the road now in Bogota. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a sec. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast is brought to you in part by Zenvo Lenses. You can check them out on Amazon.com as well as XENVOPro.com. And that's where they have all the information about these super sweet clip-on wide-angle lenses for your smartphone. It really takes your Instagram game to the next level. And man, I've really enjoyed using it from all over the world and all sorts of formats. On a selfie mode, you can take a super wide-angle photo with fitting in something like 20 people into the shot. Flip it around to the front end and you can take great interior design options. You can do some great travel shots, panoramas, and more. So be sure to check that out, zenvopro.com, and pick up their $35 lens. We've been working with them for the last year, and I've been blown away by the quality of the product, the quality of the construction, and the durability. Because when you travel, sometimes these things take a hit, and this little lens can clip on and really take your game to the next level. Check them out. All right, I'm here with Rolly. Rolly, I want to get in the cage. Your book is called The Cage. Um, man, in high school, I'd watch MMA fighting. I loved it. I would get a, a kick out of it. It was kind of the fight club craze. Um, but I am one big pansy. I've been in one schoolyard fight over uh, a volleyball 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> but that's as far as my fighting experience goes. Tell us about MMA, the lifestyle, uh, what draws you to the sport itself. And then let's talk about your book and combine travel and MMA but first let's talk about MMA so yeah it's funny you say that because I used to watch it a lot when I was wrestling and I used to always say there's no way I can do that like you'd see a guy getting like elbows hammered into his face just completely bloody and I would watch it and just say like I have no idea what drives a person to do that so it was kind of this thing that also like I felt like I was too much of a pansy to do and when I got this opportunity to go fight I just thought like, man, this is my chance to like prove to myself I can do it. This is like the craziest, most challenging adventure I could possibly have. I was going from like a Manhattan apartment to like living in the back of a gym in Peru with a bunch of South Americans 
yeah, it was just so like, it was so different for me and it was really scary. I mean, like I, I got down to Peru and after 21 days I was down there training, my coach who was this like really hard nosed Peruvian guy. He was like a legend down there. He's absolutely famous. Every Peruvian knows who he is. And um, he goes, oh, you're going to fight today. And I was like, what do you mean? I just got here. I'm not even in good shape. He goes, no, you're, you're going to fight today. You're going to get you're your ready. ass beat. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like, I've been down here 21 days. No way. I'm like, I'm kind of hurt. I'm sore. And all this stuff. He was like, you'll be fine. It was just an amateur fight. Like it was like a warm up fight. Kind of like uh, a spar or whatever, huh? So, yeah. I mean, it was like a, like a smoker is what they would call in boxing. Something like that. I mean, like we wore headgear and stuff like that. But uh you know, it was against an opponent, a real opponent, and uh, it was three rounds and uh, in a cage. And I went out there and just like, just used my wrestling, just took him down. And I got one like uppercut in the mouth and a big fat lip afterwards, but I won the match. And uh, it was crazy. It was just like, all right, trial by fire, get in there and, and see how it works. And, and are you still undefeated? I am. I fought five times and uh, I was undefeated. I'm so, uh, so that's pretty Come cool. up to Seattle and I'll show you what it's all about, man. <laughs> <laughs> no you take it it, it wouldn't even be funny people wouldn't even be able to enjoy their popcorn oh <laughs> uh, good stuff yeah. so um but mma is all consuming isn't it how many hours a, a day do you train we would train like five or six hours a day i mean like i said it was mandatory practices the thing that i tell people is that like you have to train full full time for mma like right now i could go step on the soccer field and play against messi and he would beat me like a hundred to nothing but the worst thing that would happen was i would get tired i'd be out of breath but in an mma fight you could like be risking your health i mean you could go out there and if you get tired you know you could get like a a shin bone to the face or something like that mm. and yeah you have to be like really really well prepared it's like a full-time job you can't do it just part of the time mm -hmm. and um how many calories are you eating a day in training oh well i fought at two different weights i fought at like 135 and then 125 and to give you an idea of like what i came in when i was on like wall street i probably weighed 165 so when i came down to peru i like naturally just from like training so much and from like having a stomach bug constantly I lost like 20 pounds. So I was like one, yeah, I was like 145. And then I had to lose, I had to get down to like 125. And you know, I just crash it off really like go to the sauna hmm. and you know, like you're training three times a day and you just really, I, I don't know a specific calorie number, but very, very little towards the end, the last like week, you know, you're, you're talking like maybe, maybe 500 calories a day. And like the last really? two days, probably, oh my almost, gosh. Almost, almost nothing really. I would have guessed that. Well, I guess at that point you're just trying to lose weight rather than maintain. If you're, if you're training and maintaining, you might be taking in 3000 calories a day, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you're actually just like training, yeah, exactly. We were training so much that, uh, you know, I could like eat like a pizza and it wouldn't even affect me. Cause I was just, I had to replenish the calories when I was yeah. not actually actively losing weight for a fight. Um, but yeah, then when I was losing weight, it was just crashing it off in like two or three weeks. So there was like 20 were you, pounds. Were you training at altitude as well? No, because it was in Lima and it's right oh. on the on the coast. So uh, I was not, I mean, there are a lot of people that, that do that, but uh, not us. All right. Um, I am on the phone with Raleigh Peterkin, uh, cage fighter, author, and uh, traveler. It's great to have him on and we'll be back in just a sec. This episode is brought to you by Andy Steves Custom Travel. Take a look at andysteves.com and follow the link to travel. Drop on down to custom travel and drop us a note. We'd love to help you design your dream vacation across Europe and maybe a couple other places. So drop us a note and we'd love to share what we can do. Happy travels. 
All right, Raleigh. What I want to do is I want to touch on Lima, Peru. You lived in Lima for a year. Is that right? Yes, I did. And um, I've heard amazing things about Lima. I went with my sister five years ago. Um, all we did were we were just on an overnight layover to connect over to Machu Picchu. So we got in at like 10 p.m. and had a 6 a.m. flight back out. So we didn't see the city at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I've heard great things about it. It has some of the best cuisine in the world, if not like the best right now, apparently. Um, it sounds like so there's a great cuisine. And um, it sounds like it's a really cool up and coming city. Tell us a little bit about Lima. I'm big on on Medellin these days in Colombia, but I'm dying to know more about Lima. So uh, Lima is a place that a lot of people ignore because they just go right to Cusco and right to Machu Picchu. And maybe if they do, they kind of do what you do is like a, a layover there. I was talking to someone about this the other day. I think the reason is because there's no big like tourist attraction kind of things there. Like if someone was to say I'm going to Lima, like besides bars and restaurants and things like that, what do I do? I'm kind of like, okay, there's some museums and things like that. But um, I absolutely love this city. I, I think it's amazing. They have some of the best food, like you said. The ceviche there is like <clears throat> ridiculous. You can go to like just any little small cevicheria and get like amazing ceviche. And they pile this like huge plate of it with onions and sweet potato usually. And they're right on the coast. So the seafood is always like really fresh. It's great. Yeah, I, I really loved it there. I found like a really good group of friends. And I actually wasn't even like involved in the kind of like expat community there The like gringos there. Like I, I really didn't even like hang out with them because I was just with the guys from my gym all the time. And we were training so much that I wasn't going out. You know, usually I, I go out a lot and I, I go out drinking and everything like that. But during this time, I was just very disciplined and focused on uh, MMA. So I wasn't really involved in that scene as much. But you, so you developed a community and what I'm a huge proponent of myself is plugging into the local culture. For me, I was on the cycling team at, at Notre Dame during my undergrad. And so I was competing on an amateur level for sure. But, uh, we, I was doing, giving it my best. I was trying to lose as much weight as I could, um, still eat a ton, but, uh, yeah, just ride bikes for hours and hours. When I showed up in Rome, when I studied abroad, I joined a local Roman cycling club and I found that was so cool because it connected me with people who shared that same interest and passion and it got me out of my American bubble immediately. Um, So I'm seeing some similarities there. And that's one of those things that I always preach in my talks is bring your hobbies and your passions with you internationally so that you can um, really customize uh, your experience to what gets you excited. And your your story fits right into that. Yeah, actually, that's something I tell people all the time. Like I've written a few blogs about like how to meet local people and everything like that. And yeah, it's like if you're especially if you're living abroad is like, Join a local organization. Uh, like my friend did like a runner's club when I was living in Tenerife and the Canary Islands. My friend would do like hiking clubs and running clubs and things like that. And you'd meet tons of locals. Uh, I have another friend who would like go to CrossFit gyms and she used to meet all sorts of local friends. So yeah, definitely if you can do some kind of like activities, uh, it's a great way to get outside the bubble because the bubble's a real thing. I mean, I've, when I lived in Madrid, there were so many people that lived there for four or five years and barely spoke any Spanish because uh-huh. They were just part of the bubble. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to escape that sometimes. So have you um, learned your Spanish with a Peruvian accent? I think when I first arrived to Spain, I I had like, maybe not an accent. I think everyone always says I still have a gringo accent. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like the words are very different. So like when I got to Spain, I would say these words, just like something simple as like chevre versus KY or something like that for cool. I mean, but like there's hundreds of them mm-hmm. and I would say words and people would look at me funny and be like, what is that? Yeah. And, or they're like, uh, where, where did I you learn your Spanish? <laughs> yeah. 
And then now that, like I said, I lived in Spain for two years and I'm back in South America. So now I'm having to actually now it's easier for me to flip back and forth depending on who I'm talking to. So uh, like I'm able to kind of speak South American now and it's, wow. it's kind of fun doing that. So clearly you haven't taken too many hits to the head to uh, pick up language and uh, and excel at that. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you, not. <laughs> I, I have my own opinion and answer, but uh, I'm curious for you. How how much do you see the ability to speak the local language affect your experience on the, on the ground while you're traveling? It's like so much. I mean, people treat you in a whole different way if you can speak the language. Like meeting locals. The other day, I was just like on the couch. I don't know if you've ever used Couchsurfing Meetup. I met a group of people here, local Colombians and went out with them was speaking all night and like they didn't speak english and i would never have been able to do that without uh without the language but you don't have to speak the language fluently even i think is just trying a little bit or like just saying a few sentences or even like something as simple as like hello goodbye please thank you like when i went to morocco you know it's like thank you you say shukran to someone or like salam alaikum and they're like wow thank you so much that was amazing mm-hmm. i mean I, I know like in in a country like spain maybe you know they're like Oh, cool. You can say hola. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the more obscure the language, the, the better. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I say, I say the exact same thing in my talks. Um, and it doesn't take much. It's just hello, please, goodbye, thank you. And people really appreciate that. Um, and then they'll they'll switch back to English more than likely. Um, but uh, it's it's a very nice gesture that people should keep in mind while, while on the road. It's just showing some respect for their culture, showing that you're mm-hmm. trying and that you're interested in it. And, you know, even like asking them more, how do you say this? How do you say hamburger? How do you say beer? Like, like just asking and being curious about their language and about their culture is, is so important to me. And mm-hmm. um, it's just the gesture, really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So let's, um, you're an author. You wrote a book about your story. Um, can you tell us about your book and, and why people might want to check it out? It looks like it's on Amazon.com with, with great reviews. So uh, I wrote a blog when I first went to Peru because everyone in my life kind of said, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're leaving behind this amazing job. Um, and people kind of thought I went crazy. I think I think people thought I was like Dave Chappelle just like, like <laughs> took off and <laughs> went a little crazy. So I started writing a blog. I started keeping people in touch with my day-to-day life and what was motivating me, what it was like, the kind of adventures I was experiencing. And um, I've always been a really big reader and I got, I've written a lot, I've written blogs before and everything like that. And so, uh, yeah, so I read this blog and everyone's like, oh, you should write a book someday. And I was yeah, maybe. And um, at a certain point, I just realized like my story was so unique, you know, going from Wall Street to Peru to MMA, like there's been Wall Street to MMA, Wall Street to Peru, all those things, but not like any combination of those things. And I also like, I was living in this like underground world of Peruvian MMA fighters, like with all the drama and there was like shit talking and all this stuff. And I was kind of like thinking like, I would love to give people in the United States or in any other country a window into what it was like in this crazy world of South American MMA. And so, yeah, I just wanted people to kind of like see what I had seen and feel all the the crazy adventures that I'd been through. And I'm scrolling through your... um your Instagram and man, it's, it's incredible to watch that transformation. I just figured out my Instagram password like last summer, (laughs) but yours, um, it looks like a timeline, a visual timeline of basically, um, early on until when you showed up in Peru, right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of started doing it in Peru. I didn't really know what I was doing back then. That was was a while ago, but, uh, you know, recently as I was traveling around Europe, I met a lot more traveling type people. Um, but, yeah, but people can better. see the transformation over time. And I, I, I think that's really cool. And so you kind of break down the whole story in the book and and it's actual uh, paperback. 
Yeah, yeah, it's available and uh, on on Amazon, like I said, and it's got it's got some decent reviews. It's, it's really cool. Like I've gotten um, a lot of people who have messaged me and said that it inspired them to do things, to quit their job, and to take some adventurous steps. I even got a really long email from a a guy that I knew on Wall Street. Like I didn't work with, but just a guy I knew. And he sent me this really long message about how he had he had left his job. He was an older guy too. He left his job to start his own company. And he said he reached some like really difficult times. And he said like, you know, whenever he had difficult times, he'd say, okay, like at least I'm not in a cage in Peru. And uh, he said he would think about me. And it was so cool hearing that. Like he was like, like a, he was an older guy. It wasn't just like some young guy or something like that. And uh, yeah. So like when I get messages like that, really, really makes me feel good. Like I didn't write it to be, I wasn't trying to be some inspirational book or anything like that. I just wrote it because I wanted to write the story, but it's, it's really satisfying when I hear stuff like that. That's great, man. Keep it up. And so you're in uh, Bogota at the moment. And I, I want to ask you if you've ever played the game Campo de Tejo. Campo de Tejo. No, I've not played that. Um, you got to check that out before you, uh, before you head out Campo de Tejo, it means field of clay, literally, but it's kind of like explosive horseshoes. So people line up these explosive charges on opposite sides of a little skinny course and huck metal pucks, um, at the clay with explosives tucked into it. They're contact explosives. So, um, as soon as the metal puck hits the, the thing against the metal ring, it sets off an explosion that puts a hole in pretty hard clay. Play. So um, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, and it's typical to Rolos and uh, who are the people of the Bogota area. Um, so you got to check that out. You, you said you're are you staying with Colombians right now? No, I'm staying in a hostel right now. In a hostel. Um, so just go to the yeah. desk and ask them at the reception. Hey, I want to play Campo or Cancho. It has two names, Cancho and Campo de Tejo. Uh, sounds that's like fun. Easily my favorite sport in the world. Yeah. Who doesn't like to blow stuff up? Of course. <laughs> So you got that. Um, how about uh, Andres Carne del Reis? Have you been out there? Carne del Reis is, is beef, but no, I have not. Andre- so, oh, you know what? Someone, uh, one of the Colombian guy just marked that on my map the other day and I have it like starred on my map. So yeah, it's like a, at some point. Yeah. It's like a destination restaurant where um, people might go on, you know, for a whole night. You go there for, for drinks in the afternoon, you stay for dinner and you don't leave and the music turns up and it's it's crazy it's in a town called chia which is like 40 minutes north of bogota yep um so you just yep. hop a bus a lot of times there's party buses that go out at like 5 p.m and return at 2 a.m and so uh i'm sure your hostel organizes that as well of course yeah well dude um thank you so much it's raleigh peterkin check him out on instagram at R-O-L-L-I-E, Peterkin, P-E-T-E-R-K-I-N. What an incredible story. Raleigh, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Andy. Wow, the cojones on that guy, Raleigh Peterkin. I couldn't imagine heading south of the border to join a fight club in Peru, of all places. That's why I love doing this show. Each next episode is another chance to hear an unforgettable travel adventure. What's your next adventure going to be, and how are you going to make that happen? I'd love to hear on Instagram at Andy Steve's Travel. If you can't tell, I've been loving having these chats with all my international friends. From Kamal in Bethlehem, to Schmike and Sergeant Ponce in Budapest, La Carmina in Tokyo, and Leo in London. I hope you've enjoyed this season so far. If you have, please open up your app right now and give us a five-star review. A glowing comment helps our show get found, and we really appreciate it. Tell your friends and share the love on Facebook so we can keep on making this show. 
And next week, I have Ryan Thorpe of The Student Nomad to share about his insight into the travel industry and how he's gotten his travel startup off the ground. Stay tuned. Each group of people have their own little personalities. You can tell when people are from the States, but you can also tell when people are from the West Coast or the East Coast of the States uh-huh. based on how they act. I had a lot of Americans, for example, who say to me, uh, I just say I'm Canadian sometimes. By the way, on this season of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast, I'm working with the team at Podcast and Radio Networks. If you're thinking about starting your own show, they've got just the right people in place to turn your podcasting dreams into broadcasting reality. For more information, check them out at podcastandradio.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening. To find all show details and links to connect with our guest, find it online at andysteves.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.